Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, what a beautiful week it is. How are we doing? It's a beautiful week. It's another glorious week to talk NBA draft and basketball in general. I'm doing fantastic. Um, I'm coming up, you know, just just battling, dealing with some of these uh, withdrawals. Um, I know we're going to talk plenty about that, Metcalf, but I'm doing good. How about yourself, sir? How are we, how are we hanging in there? I'm fantastic. I, I have no crushing sports defeats to uh, re- recover from. Um, I'm sure you can't relate to that at all. Um, oh, instead, man. Some I of my favorite get a prospects. minute in. I didn't get a minute in. Ugh. How are we coping? The the people want to know. They, they've been asking. Yeah. Um, I'm okay because like I've put all of my energy into the draft now. Oh, so just um, denial. Denial for sure. Nice. I think – I'll I'll go out and say it. Yes, you should re-sign Jalen Brown. Yes, Missoula should be back. Uh, Brad Stevens confirmed both of those things today. So yes, yeah, see, I'm also paying attention. I'm, I'm I think they're fine. They're still young. Jalen Brown obviously he's got to work on his handle this offseason. He's a hard worker. He's a smart player. I think he'll accept the challenge, and I think Boston's gonna be fine. I'm not worried. I think Missoula needs a veteran staff. He, yeah, a lot of people forget Damon Stoudemire left the middle of the year. They, they've tough, tough year for him. So I like where Boston's at. I think they'll be on the revenge tour next year, and Jalen Brown will probably be possessed out of his mind, and it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna be okay. Everyone's gonna be okay. I feel like you know. I'm in the office with Robin Williams, RIP, and he just keeps saying it's not your fault to the Celtics. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going to be fine. We're going to figure it out. We're going to have a little cry. And then. Okay. So, so Jalen Brown for Carl Anthony Towns. No, deal. I cool. no Perfect. deal. Love no it. Deal. No deal. Just, just unite Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brown to Georgia kids. Love I saw Ant Man tampering. So, tell him to calm that down. No. So. Um, but let's focus here. Yeah, I'm doing okay, everybody. I, the drafts here, we got rumors, we got buzz, we've got draft guides. Shout out to everyone that's purchased the draft guide. I, I'm excited. Yes, yes. So before we get into the early entry decisions and uh, some of the guys we think are going to be the biggest wild cards in this draft, um, this year's draft guide is live. If you if you haven't seen or heard or purchased yet. Uh, help us out it'd be greatly appreciated if you have ten dollars to spare over at uh no ceilings nba.bigcartel.com uh it looks awesome a lot of work went into it uh the reception so far has been incredible um if there's anything you don't like on it or have constructive criticism feel free to reach out to me directly and you know we're always happy to improve uh for next year but we are thrilled with how it looks and just everyone's support so far so if you been living under a rock in terms of the no ceilings world this week please go check it out um otherwise we just still have the the continuous slew of awesome work going up daily at no ceilings nba.com uh but enough of that unless record did you have something no it, it's been awesome thank you for everyone for the support i think we were a little shocked um compared compared to the first year the it, the growth has been just awesome so thank you guys we've been Really, really happy about that. I know we're already planning year three of what we want to make different and do. And um, we're excited. And, and it's been awesome. But everyone that, you know, if you haven't gotten it, like Metcalf says, go to noceilingsnba.com. We're going to start pumping out some serious stuff. We're This is the time of the year where we unleash the sharks, which is us talking about the big names, you know, the lottery guys, 
um be on the look there's probably going to be a surprise as you guys are listening to this tomorrow morning um yeah i'm really excited this is where things you know we open the floodgates i'll you know open up the gates of hell and let's party let's get weird we got less than almost 20 days almost 20 days as we're recording this 21 days which is three weeks crazy math but yeah i'm really excited for this episode i think we're gonna have some fun with this one yeah so we we just passed one of the bigger the the final big deadlines in the in the draft cycle and that was the uh withdrawal for early entrant prospects um rucker we're just gonna kind of bounce around here mm. who stood out to you who surprised you who do, whose decision did you like who did you not like take it any direction you want i mean we have to just let's just rip the band-aid off here um people are are you know our followers know we're we're tweeting both of us Metcalf and they were like pour one out for no ceilings. Um, we're talking about a Dembona of UCLA and we're talking about Trey Alexander of Creighton. RIP. All right, really, not, not really, really. not really. Um, I'm just gonna play the scientist in the background. I've been making a joke to Metcalf, so we have to have the a Dembona Trey Alexander little moment, you know. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> it, it was tough, it was tough. Um I think all seriousness, let's put the jokes aside, all seriousness, I think it was the right call for both because I think they're going to skyrocket upwards next year. I'm really excited about it. I just thought they were going to be some really big potential steal um, in this year's draft. So what did you think? Did you like the decision from both of them? Yeah, I mean, from what we had heard, I think those are two guys who really wanted to stay in this year's draft. But it just seems like the feedback wasn't there where it made sense for them to do that and take that big of a risk with their career. I mean, going back to Creighton, going back to UCLA, those are two really, really good programs, uh, especially with NIL money and just ability to grow. And, you know, next year's draft is looking a little weaker. You know, that's too early to make outlandish statements or anything on it. But compared to this one, they they're going to enter enter next season in really good standing in terms of preseason rankings. Uh, with that, though, comes really high expectations, and they have to show growth in their game, whether it's for Bona, whether it's even more consistency and reliability on the defensive end with a sprinkling of offensive improvement, or, you know, with Trey, it's just even a tighter handle and better shooting and, all, you know, all that kind of stuff. They can't fall into this trap of just going back and doing the same thing. That's the risk with all these guys when they go back. But me and you are always supportive of guys who decide to go back because it's a great opportunity to grow. And for guys who, if they would have gone in the mid mid to late second round, most of those guys don't get the opportunity to really get the resources put into them to improve their games where they need to. And they're just kind of thrown in the G League and told to figure it out or put on the end of the bench and told to figure it out. This way, they're going to come back as one of the focal points for their programs and really be given the opportunity to grow their games where where they need to and improve that feedback. I think they're both fringe lottery guys right now for me entering next season. A lot can change, but I, I think they have a really good shot to be like first round locks next year. I I think Trey for sure was, he was probably looking at a late first, early second you know, this year. And if you're, if you're pushing all the chips into the middle of the table, you're thinking, okay, I got a shot at getting into that top 20 this next year. I think absolutely. And it's not 
just the questions surrounding the draft next year. I mean, obviously there is a little bit of doubt. I think the draft next year is going to be deep now because of all these returners, but I think Trey's going to have the the potential to really jump up because of what he offers on the table. He's going to be this lengthy combo guard that can impact the game in a number of different ways. Bona really could explode. I, I mean, I think that could be, one that we're talking about, like some people are like, oh, probably a potential first round picnic. No, I think he's going in the first next year. If, right. if he takes that next yeah. step forward, it's just how high can he go? And um, I'm really excited about him. I, I think a big part of this was the injury. You know, he had a bang up shoulder. He didn't really play a bunch in the tournament. Prevented him from playing and working out throughout this whole process. That's really hard to kind of just be like, okay, I can't show you my right. game. So I kind of got to just go off faith. And then, you know, he was probably looking at an early second round unless some team was just like, Hey, we absolutely love him. Let's try to take him in the first. And I'm, I'm sure some team was trying to say, Hey, stay in, stay in. But I think he's going to skyrocket with another yeah. good year. So um, anybody else for you that you kind of were um, Zach Eady a little bit, I think. Z- Zach Eady, I kind of get though. I think the mm-hmm. the NIL money, an opportunity for him, just going back to Purdue and just dominate again. Yeah. Um, I w- I was a little surprised, um, but I get it. The Duran Holmes one really surprised me. Um, yeah, that one got me a little bit of a whoa when I read that. I was like, okay, all right, going back. It's funny with the tweet or the announcements on Twitter for everyone that wasn't like following it closely. It's just like, you're always looking for like one word where it's either like returning or staying. (laughs) So I'm just like finding the word. It's like a treasure chest or treasure map. Um, Holmes, I think it's the right decision. Probably. Hopefully, probably. Um, Dylan Mitchell, I think it's the right call. I am praying that, he's allowed to do literally anything on offense next year. I just need his first game. He takes a three. Yeah. And just like when he catches rolling. it in the corner, it's yep. something like look at the rim at least. Um, don't just immediately go for the dribble handoff. Do, do anything. That would be nice. Um, Cause I, his shot looked ugly, but he was shooting it decent at the combine. Looked better at the combine. I think that's the smart thing with those guys is you start buzzing out a little bit. So you need to go back and take your game to another level. Um, friend of the program, Dylan Jones. That yep. one surprised me a little bit, but I also think it's brilliant because now he's on the radar. Yeah. I mean, he's obviously, have a lot of eyes on him. Yeah. He's going to have a lot of eyes. So go bet on yourself. Shout out, Dylan. I think that was, he could have rolled with it. But I think there's a lot of that's a lot of courage of being like, I'm going back for one more year, see if I can take it up another level. He's gonna have fans now because yeah. people are gonna be intrigued. Um the Kaluma and Cock Runner ones didn't really surprise me. No, um, I think that was the right call by Kaluma. The Judah Mintz one surprised me a little bit, but I think it was a thousand percent the best decision that he could have made. Yeah, I, I, I think he should have always gone back. I'm not trying yeah. I just thought you have way too much to gain. Yeah, and, going and, back. and now he gets to go back in a backcourt of him and JJ Sterling is Oof. going to be a lot of fun next year. Yes. Um, I'm praying that they play man defense. I'm not going to hold my breath though. A um, couple other ones: uh, Tristan De Silva going back to Colorado, Naquan Tomlin going back to Kansas, both Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins going back to Illinois. Um, 
those surprised me a little bit, but again, I'm guessing the feedback just wasn't where they wanted it to be. I didn't necessarily have a draftable grade on them, but I get it. In the same boat, Coleman Hawkins was having some fun on Twitter with that announcement. He had mm-hmm. way too much fun, but shout out <laughs> Coleman. Appreciate it. Come on the pod next year. Um, a couple of the else? surprises who stayed in. Uh, Julian Phillips. I love it. I loved it. Loved it. I'm in. I'm in on the Julian Phillips Express. Anytime you could say I'm not going back to play for Rick Barnes, <laughs> you're going up on my board. All serious. Where, where do you I, have I, him? I have him at 36. I love Julian Phillips. And for everyone that's wondering – the person we're probably going to talk about next, I have him right behind him at 37. So um, I think Phillips is going to be a little bit of a keep your eye on him on draft night. I think there's some team that's going to be very intrigued with that athleticism, tools, the defensive ability now. And I think there's some offensive game that um, he didn't get to show. Yeah, I, I have him at 25. Um, Love that. See, I need to I need to go back and drink that Kool-Aid. But gosh, I'm already just the, guys, the athletic tools, the defense, and then just going back to what he showed on offense in high school. I think there's a lot more there that he can build on and really utilize that. I know this is going to shock a lot of people, but Rick Barnes didn't let him show, which is super uncharacteristic of him. Um, who, who else? And anyone, any other notable stands for you? Um, um I, I have to bring up Jordan Walsh is the guy I was hitting at. I'm not surprised. Um, I think he created too much momentum. Yeah. That going back and doing that again, like if he, I don't think he was going back and having 15 a game. Um, I think Jordan Walsh is just going to be a guy that's like, I'm ready to come play good defense. And also I feel like I, Maybe saw some comments where I was like, oh, he wasn't happy with his role last year. Like, I, I think he was like, I need, I need to, I get to show what I want now and um, not have to just be a role player. And I was like, well, buddy, we might need <laughs> to talk about that. But I think it's a good player to get in your developmental staff. I'm sure he'll be um, a name teams want to get, as if you could probably get fantastic value with Jordan Walsh. I like Phillips a lot. Um, that's one of those names. Like I'm adjusting my board. Me and Metcalf were talking about this before we even hit record. And I was just like, now the guys are in, I feel like you got away with like, okay, there's, there's some names leaving. Um, there's some people overreacting about like, Oh gosh, the draft got thin. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like we're still pretty wide range of good talent all over the board. It's just, there was some intriguing guys, you know, going back next year, but I think now the next year's class got stronger. So that's all. I yeah. Got. And I, I think the, for, for me, it was more so that a bunch of, or not a bunch, but a good handful of guys who I could have easily seen going in the first decided to go back. And yeah. that just moved a bunch of guys up into just a, a very kind of different tier of now where I think, they could go um so th- that was kind of the big takeaway for me yeah like I, I mean it's tough because at at times i'll put guys lower because i'm i'm sort of in that wait and see mode of like okay are you really declaring and i know people will be like well why would you do that because i'm like well i don't am i my big board, sometimes I lean a little bit towards like, what this is where I th- see them at right now. And then sometimes you got to tinker with it and you're like, okay, well, 
if you're making a big board, is it what you think of him now or is it down the road? And I always try to have to remind myself, like, no, like, what am I thinking he's turning into? Because I'm trying to project, you know, three years down the road, not just right this second. And um, that's like Julian Phillips when he just said, I'm staying in. I was like, Phillips is going to get drafted in a range where I think he's going to have a shot of really being a, a successful piece that is developed. So, um, you know, I got him at 36. Like, I could see me moving him around 34, 33 ish, but it's also where it gets very vicious. I don't know, Metcalf. Do you do you ever find yourself doing that where it's kind of like you got to tinker now that you're no like, okay, he's in. This is a name I need to really focus on. Because there's yeah, I guys mean, I, you know, in my late 50s, there was guys I was like, they're going back. And then I was like, oh, whoa, whoa, okay. Like you're, you're staying, like, let me reevaluate. Yeah. And I, I always try and rank them. Um as if they're all in regardless, even if it's a guy who I like really think is going back. Um, I still try to rank him as if he's not and he's staying in. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if there's a guy who says it's like, no, I'm staying in and I'm way lower on him, then it's like, Oh, okay. What am I missing? And I have to go back and right, it's like, right. Oh, okay. So I didn't, you know, it's, it might be more so of, I didn't necessarily take it as seriously earlier. Um, and that led to me kind of downgrading or diminishing some of what he showed. And then, you know, it's like, oh, okay, so these flashes, I'm assuming that the feedback that you're getting on this is a little more positive than maybe I initially thought. So let's go back, rethink it, view it in a different light, and reevaluate. You explained that much better than I did. I think that's where <laughs> I'm at is like now I'm having to go back and be like, let me reevaluate my film and kind of get where I'm at. But, um, it's just now it's like, okay, we know the names. And for everyone listening, like we got one more deadline coming up. That's all the international class. It's so funny how late that deadline is because it's always just like, whoa, we're really waiting. Yeah, it's like, you know, like the NBA is not doing us any favors with um, that deadline when it comes to no ceilings and trying to get some fun content for you people. That will be June 12th, 10 days before the draft. So um, plenty international guys got some time. Well, they have their season going on and all <laughs> that stuff, but um any other names are you good to go no um i i think that was kind of big picture thoughts oh i'll just also shout out to jalen clark friend of the program uh okay. staying in um but i'm sure we missed a couple names non-intentional but uh before we jump into some of the biggest wild cards in this draft let's take a quick break all right rucker so now we're going to kind of dive through just five names of guys who could be real big wild cards in this draft. Um, and you know, these, these five names, uh, the ones that we came up with kind of mostly range anywhere from early to late first round on our boards and most mock drafts that you'll see. And what we mean by wild card is guys who we see having an extremely high ceiling but also a really concerning floor. So there's just a lot of variance in how their careers could go. Um, obviously, none of these guys are a for sure thing, um, but we wanted to kind of dive through some of the pros, the cons, the concerns, the flashes, the excitement of some of the bigger uh, home run swings uh, is another way you could put it in this draft. Um, the first name that came up when we you know, were compiling this list, Amen Thompson. Mm-hmm. I think 
everyone immediately is going to start groaning and it's no, 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 no. This is a positive episode. I, I think it's just like this. The upside is so scary with some of these guys we wanted to talk about, but this is the wild card. This is the roll of the dice. This is the, you know, kind of bite your lip and be like, okay, you're sweating bullets, but you hope that this clicks because if it does, it can really shift your, your franchise, your organization in the right way. Men Thompson, obviously, you know, if, if you've been close to the draft grind, you should know the story right now. He's one of the twin brothers, his twin brother Asar. They're both very talented. Um, you know, Asar, I think the shot is uh, is better. I'll just flat out say it. I think he's got a better shot right now than Amen. But I think Amen is more physically gifted when it comes to understanding how to play with speed and his burst and his God-given abilities and the playmaking's fantastic. He has the tools to be very scary, very, very scary. Um, I, I think even without the shot, you know, becoming or where it's at right now, I still think there's a lot of stuff that can be, really put together at the next level with the good coach. And I like the defense still. I think there's a lot of flashes, but mm -hmm. me and you have talked about him playing. I think there's a ton of flashes and the key word is flashes. It is just how can we, can we turn it up? So it's more consistent. And I like him a lot. I've heard nothing but great things, but um, it's going to come down to the shot. So I don't know where, where are you at? Are you still cool or do you, what point Metcalf in the draft, if you were like, uh, all right, I'm in, where would you feel comfortable about being like, I'm in? Like, what's too rich for you right now? I know you're a little oh. cooler on him, and that's fine because we need the the balance of powers. But where are you at? Yeah, so I, I'm probably second lowest of the No Ceilings group on him, uh, just in terms of ranking. I see the upside like i at what everyone's getting excited about um you know the six six uber six seven i forget the height off the top of my head um uber athletic you know playmaker um i i get the excitement uh and if everything goes right he's going to be an absolute menace of a player i just think that that everything that has to go right i think there's a lot there that has yeah. to go right and that's where you know, it's landing spots important for everyone who gets drafted. It's incredibly important for these five names that we're talking about today. And that's where I get a little hesitant about where it would be best for him. Because I think he, to really reach that ceiling, I think he's going to have to play point guard. You can't, I don't think you can put him as a wing. I think he has to have the ball in his hands and be that kind of dominant offensive hub. And just looking at Tankathon, I mean, I don't hate the the fit in Houston at four. Um, giving that team a playmaker with the scores and, you know, Jabari Smith, who, you know, I don't think either of us are out on by any means yet. Uh, Jalen Green, again, neither of us are out on. Uh, but that team needs a playmaker. And I, I, I know Shangun is an awesome passer. They need a point guard. And that, while four is really rich for me in terms of draft spot, from a fit standpoint, I really like it. And with that coaching staff, um, I think they'd be able to really hold him accountable for the first time in a few years now for him. So 
that would probably be the very earliest I'd be even entertaining the thought of taking him. Um, after that, oh boy, um, nine seven to Indiana, I think is really interesting. Pairing that kind of playmaking and athleticism with Halliburton in the backcourt, um, I think that's just kind of a, that that could be like a fun little fire and ice kind of combination. Um, but I, I, I just I think his fit is really tough and i know when you're taking guys of his pedigree super early in the draft you're not drafting for fit but i think he's so just the archetype of player that he is and the weaknesses that, and strengths that he currently has i think it's going to be it could be really tricky it's going to be really fascinating um i don't i mean we've said this multiple times i don't know where the team is that just says all in because this is where I get to, like, I think he makes the most sense in Houston. Yeah. I think Cam Whitmore is going to have a lot of fans in Houston too. Um, Oh God. I hate that from a team building standpoint though. I do too. But I think that's where you're getting at, at that fourth pick is you're going to have different, different paths of the road you can go in. You can probably either go Whitmore with another athletic wing uh, or forward next to Jalen Green. You can go Jairus Walker and put him as your running mate with Shangoon, which I love. Or you go Amen Thompson and get yourself finally a playmaker. I think Amen needs the Rockets, and I think the Rockets need Amen. It's just, does, are both, is this a marriage? Is this going to work? Because there's no... I mean, they have all the pieces, the young pieces to work, and they need what a man can do best. But are you convinced that he's the missing ingredient? And obviously everyone's going to talk about like, oh, James Harden stuff. I don't care about James Harden stuff. We're talking about the draft. We're talking about team building. They need a man Thompson. And if he does not go to Houston, I don't know where he goes. I really don't. And um, I think he's going to come into the league and be so electrifying early on because people are going to be shocked about his first step, his lethal, violent speed coming through traffic and coming down the lane. It's when teams start adjusting to him. It's, and everyone's had that first Once run we get through. to January and there's yes, a scouting report on him. That's where I'm going to say things are going to get interesting because you can jump on everyone as a rookie and, you know, we look up and a man had 12 points and six assists and five rebounds. Be like, Hey, it looks pretty good. But then teams are going to come have played you and be like, okay, I know a man's going to catch the ball and want to get into the traffic. They're going to start crowding the you know lane. And like you said, Metcalf, when he gets to January, things are going to be interesting. So it's just, I think he's a hard worker. I think the upside is awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to figure but, out still, like you said, like there's a lot of questions about, the other side of the fence. All right. So there, you know, it like every workout season, there have been plenty of uh, videos coming out of his new shooting mechanics. Where are we at? Well, there was a video that came out. um, And everyone's kind of jumping about it. It's him working at the pro at his pro day workout, not pro day workout, his, his workout with the Portland trailblazers. And everyone gets a, you know, front row seat to look at it right behind his shot in the corner. And um, it did, it looks a little funky. It, it, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It looks a little funky. 
It's low, low release. It's just fast. I mean, this is one thing I'm going to say, and sorry, I got distracted with the thought, which is always dangerous, but we're at the point of the year in which like, I feel like a lot of people get angry at us when we were talking about this. And it's like, now that stuff starts to come out and people are seeing what we've been talking about. And it's like, we're not trying to be jerks. We're just saying like, this is what people are talking about. This is what we're seeing. And, um, it's, I'm hoping the shot's going to come around, but it is the one thing. Some team's going to have to be convinced they could be fine. And if Lonzo ball could go second, then I think, you know, a man could be there. I think a man will convince some team that like he has enough tools. We can work with this. We'll figure it out. But what about you? Where are you at? Um, so I'm actually not going to sugarcoat it. And okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I hated it. I thought it looked so much worse. Um, I know what, what, it, what stood out to you about it worse. Cause let's not, you know, yeah, let's not get too crazy. Um, so release point looked like it came down a lot where he's now releasing it like from his chin almost like it's kind of like a push shot from the middle of his face. Um, the right arm tuck looked really aggressive. Again, some of this stuff may just be the angle of where, where, where the camera was. Um, you know, I remember all of the, the panic over the Devin Vassell videos the other year, yes, or the, that a couple was years ago, times. and uh, literally nothing changed in the shot. It was just the angle uh, that was taken from. So, if that's the case, then I'll walk all of this back. But from the angle of where that video was being taken, um, I thought it looked rough. I the the right arm tuck looked super aggressive and like he was releasing the ball from the very middle of his chest, almost to the left side. Um, it had like a new hitch, like halfway up into his release. It didn't look super smooth. Um, I don't know. It, it. I think it's going to be a really, really, really long work in progress for him. I'm praying that it gets there. I really want him to shoot it because if he does, he's going to be one of the most electric players in the league and probably an all NBA player. That's what I think the ceiling is. If the shot gets to just a respectable level, um, but whatever these changes are, he's quite a ways from that. Um, also, just a note on all these shooting videos. These guys aren't going to put out videos of them missing shots. So when a guy hits four shots in a row or a video of them hitting 15 in a row, it's probably edited. Make, yeah. you know, keep, keep an eye out for that. And they're not going to show you the bad misses. They don't do it because that's not good for them. Uh, so just take it with a grain of salt. But I'd love if someone did that one year. I'd be like, that's just, that's ballsy. Just raw video. Like, here you go. The best uh, random side story. If you've never watched it, literally after you listen to this podcast, get off but and, and go to YouTube. Damian Lillard's private workout video for before he got drafted. It's one of the greatest videos of all time. I mean, that you see why Dame Miller got as good as he is because he's just a workhorse. So, sorry, I thought of that. I, my, maybe we'll post that on the Twitter, um, on the line. But yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, man. I'm, I'm, I'm still high on him. I got him, at, you know, I got him in that six to eight range. I'm still there. And shocking yeah. everyone, I'm saying he needs to go fourth. And everyone's like, why do you have him eighth? And it's be like, because I have my concerns. But I, I really do think there is another level in his game that is going to be unlocked. And I think 
especially on the defensive side of the ball, if he buys in with that. And that's why I'm like, if he goes plays for Adoka, I love that potential. But we'll see. Um, go ahead. All right. Um, let's move on to the next name on our list. Uh, Cam Whitmore, a guy that we are both very high on. Very. Um, I, I think he has all-star upside, um, even, you know, fringe all-NBA upside. But – I, you know, kind of conversely to Amen Thompson, I'm leaning more towards the optimistic side with him uh, when there is a very, very clear pessimistic or, you know, the people who are lower on him would say realistic view on him. Um, I, I, I'm excited about him. He would be a guy that I'd be willing to take that home run swing on. Uh, where are you at with Cam? I have been a big fan all year. I think I had him. I think I looked back and I had him preseason like third or fourth. Oh wow! Um, I was pretty. So I I was pretty out on him entering the year. Yeah, um, I remember like, this. I had like late teens. Oh yeah, I, so I remember he, he, you were really slow to warm up, and I was like, "Are you are you in on Whitmore yet? Why aren't you in on Whitmore?" <laughs> I feel I remember this. I think I was preseason. I was like, I think he's got the tools to kind of get up into that top four, and then I think he got. When he got hurt, I was like, oh, this is the worst because now he's going to be slow. And like, he didn't seem like a guy that was going to come in and immediately drop 30. Um, I've got him at five. I really like Whitmore. I still love him. I, I still think the all star upside is legit. Now, a lot of things need to fall in place, but like, he, he needs to tighten the handle. The outside shot needs to become more consistent. Um, needs to kind of turn it up a little bit on defense. Like there's just some in between game. I think he needs to figure out and I hate to bring my boy into this, but Jalen Brown, I've watched Jalen Brown throughout his whole Boston Celtics career and the leap he made in a couple of years to where he's got now mm -hmm. is unbelievable. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't a relentless worker in the off season that trusted the path he was on. And I think that's why I'm always with these guys that come in, these athletic wings that look like they have this upside. And everyone's like, eh, the handle, creation. It's like, they're going to get better. None of these guys are finished products. So like, I see a world in which Whitmore, by year three, were like, my goodness, now he's legit weapon. And, um, you know, we're banking on a lot of stuff. If, if Jalen Brown can take that huge improvement, I see a world in which Whitmore does that. And, you know, the only difference with him is he's, you know, an absolute freight train coming to, to the basket and he's going to be nasty. So I like him a lot, Metcalf. I, I really do feel that's the one I would be rolling the dice on. And I think he could go as high as four. Yeah, I I, I have him at five on my board. And I just what I really I ended up coming around on the shot. I think he's going to shoot it fine. I don't think he's going to be a lethal shooter, but I think he'll be league average at minimum, which given his athleticism and first step and ability to just beat guys within that first step um, is more than enough. Uh, I, I think he's the best athlete in this class. His combination of explosiveness and strength and power um, and deceleration and balance, it's special. And I, I know people are rolling their eyes given – the amount conversation we just had, but what, what separates those two by the slimmest of margins in terms of athleticism for me is the strength. And Cam has that where he just finishes over and through guys at the rim. And Amen hasn't proven 
that yet. Um, but talking about Cam, um, I think he has a good handle. He doesn't really do much with it um, when he's just more direct with his movements with like a jab, step, and drive. I think he's way more effective. Defensively, re- I really like his on-ball defense and think there's a lot of upside there. The problem with everything that I was just praising, though, is that it's all an individual game with him. Everything that he shines at is within his own silo. Um, in a team concept, that's where I start getting concerned, and that's where I think the the basement on him really starts to drop because the playmaking stuff has been well-documented of being non-existent. Uh, The off-ball team defensive stuff is inconsistent, let's say. Um, So in that kind of context, if he can't grow out of that silo and really start seeing the floor and connecting with everyone else on the floor, that's where I think things really get tricky. I mean, something that me and you have said about like Scoot Henderson all year, obviously different positions, different roles and everything, but Scoot makes everyone on his team better. Brandon Miller, similar thing where he does, if the shot's not falling, he's rebounding, he's defending, he's passing. There are different areas of the game where he's making an impact and elevating the team at large. We did, we have yet to see that from Cam. And if that doesn't really come around, that's where I think things get really tentative with him. The, the problem with Whitmore is there's a lot of, you can go back and forth with kind of your thinking of it. Like m- myself, I, I'll go in that same rant you just had about like, okay, the playmaking is non-existent sometimes. But I also watched that Villanova team before he took the court. And when they got, when he got there, they were so much better. And I was like, okay, is this a situation Thing that we need to maybe shine a little bit more light on, which is like this Villanova team was tough this year to watch. And I watched them way too much because I wanted to watch Whitmore. And a lot of those games, I was like, what are we doing? And, and it's just a tough situation where I could see maybe he goes to the NBA. He's around more talent. Maybe that unlocks a little bit of, you want to say confidence or trust when it comes to his teammates, who knows? I think right as you're saying that though, there's a lot of areas that need to be unlocked when it comes to giving the team success. But I think individually he has the tools to be one of the top players in this draft because he has that much of an upside. And I think that's also showcasing how many layers to his game is still waiting to be un, you know, discovered. All right. So what are some of the fits for him that you would really like or dislike? I think still my favorite fit for him is probably Indiana. It's just, uh, I think that four to seven range, a lot of people are going to be intrigued with Whitmore. Um, I don't know about five to Detroit seems interesting. I like Monty Williams going there now. So now maybe I'm like, okay, it could make some sense, but I just, I don't, I don't know with Detroit. Like I, I, I love it. I would be like pumped if, if I'm a Pistons fan and they took him at five, but I feel like that's a lot of questions on the perimeter and they just resigned Bullion, right? Uh, yeah, I think at least through next year, he might have two years. Um, uh, maybe they, I, I thought they gave him like a shocking extension. I know. Go ahead, Metcalf. And then I'll look that up. and No. So like, 
the the Pistons one is one that I've liked for a while. Um, I know Corey's been lower on it. He's talked about that. Uh, and he's I, I think a seed in my head now, and I can't get it out. Go ahead. I think the big difference on whether you like it or not there is whether or not you buy the shooting. Um, and from a spot up perspective, from a catch and shoot, just off ball scoring perspective, um, I, I think he'll be fine enough. And then from there, you leverage that athleticism and you pair that athleticism with Duran and Ivy um, and just the playmaking of Cade. I, I don't know what else there is to not, or I, I don't know what there is to not like about that fit with him. Uh, Troy Weaver loves his freak athletes. Hey, Cam Whitmore, freak athlete. Um, he's not going to be asked to do any offensive creation or playmaking on that team because Ivy and Kate are going to have the ball. Uh, he's a good cutter. They'll be able to find him. I think they'll be able to set him up pretty consistently with really easy buckets. He gives them a lot of athleticism on the perimeter, on the defensive end. Um, you know, there'll, there'll obviously be some inconsistencies like there are with all young players on that end. But I think Monty Williams is an awesome guy who, who has a pretty good track record of it elevating players and installing the system and getting everyone on that team to buy into it. So with the, the, the brain of Cade Cunningham and then that athleticism, the youth, the structure now in the coaching staff, um, I, I just, I, I still really like that fit. I love him in Indiana. I even like him in Orlando. Outside of that, we start looking at Washington, Utah. Eh, don't love those. Dallas at 10, I kind of like, but not, I don't love. So it's, it, for me, it's really that five, six, seven range where I think would be the absolute best for him. I'm I'm back in on Washington. They're going to do some good plans. We're going to turn you around to become a Washington Wizards. Yeah, I wouldn't hold your breath. Her. Um, I will. Okay. Um, I, I'm I'm good with doing Detroit. Bullion for everyone that was waiting on pins and needles. He's, <laughs> he has a $20 million contract for an upcoming year. Then he has a partially guaranteed the following year. So you're not passing up any talent because of Bullion, as much as yeah. I love the bogeyman. I still like Whitmore. I, I it, it would be more surprising if Whitmore was on the board and they didn't go that direction unless they, you know, Jairus is somehow there and they love him. But I think Whitmore fits in a lot of places because you get excited about the upside. You get excited about the tools he has. And in, in that range we're talking about, Metcalf, like if he went to Orlando somehow – they have a lot of pieces that he can be the complimentary piece. They have Paulo, they have Franz. If he goes to Indiana, I love that fit because they got Halliburton, they got Matherin. And then all of a sudden you add Whitmore like, Whoa, that is a nasty one through three. Um, who knows? I mean, it, I know I brought up Houston before. I, I don't know. It probably, the Houston one probably doesn't make a ton of sense unless you're buying in on Jabari as a four which I still am. I know a lot of people like to say he should be a three. I think he's a four that can play on the perimeter, but we're getting off topic. So I don't know. I, I like Whitmore a lot. I think he's going to be eye candy during these workouts. And a lot of people are going to be very intrigued yeah. with the nastiness, the power. And just, if you believe the rest of the tools can come together, this is a player that I believe can be one of the top wings when it comes to this class, especially. 
Completely agree. Uh, but before we move on, let's take our last break. Okay, so the next name we have um, is a guy that we talked about just a couple weeks ago. Uh, his stock has been absolutely exploding. London Miller. You start. Oh, God. Um, okay, well, we don't have to go into <laughs> into detail because we just did a plot about did. him. Um, and, and everyone's heard us talk nonstop about Leonard Miller. And I don't want to hammer it home too much because we just did a pod about him. But um, another popular name, he's... I will say this to everyone, um, that the draft maniacs out there, NBA fans that are getting serious about this, a lot of these teams are going to bring in a lot of guys for group workouts. I don't think I would weigh too much of that, but I would also weigh what teams it is. And I keep seeing Leonard Miller and it's, you know, Indiana, they've got multiple picks. And then you start seeing him with teams that might be in the late teens. And all of a sudden you start seeing it go up and it's like, that could tell you some stuff. If you're following breadcrumbs of like, that's where teams thinking like, Hey, this might be an option for us. Now, obviously, they're doing these group workouts, and it's three guys that might go in the first round, and two guys that look are they're, they're going in the second round. It's kind of all over the place because it's probably travel arrangements, and players are trying to figure out where they can go. But he's going to be—I mean, everyone's asking about Leonard Miller. I get guys, Thunder fans, ask me about Leonard Miller at twelve, and I'm like, "Wow, I thought we put that bed two weeks ago, and it's really coming back." I mean, Raptors fans are asking. Um, He's just, it's wild. I, and I, I think I understand why teams and fan bases are going to be really excited, but still trying to find that fit, Metcalf. I'm <laughs> still trying to find it. And, and give me some positivity about Leonard Miller, and then we can move on. Talk, like, talk to everyone that wants some positivity from guys that have been a little bit more lower on him. Where are you at? Why do you think it will work if it does? Because uh, he had just an astronomical leap in production and improvement on the court. Um, and I well, don't think he's done improving. No, no. Like, I think exactly. he has two more levels to go. Exactly. Just, the, can he the, find it? That's, this was sorry, the most structured yes. he's actually played in, the most organized basketball he's actually played in, uh, the most he was held accountable, um, the most he's been coached. And it paid off a ton. Um, I didn't have... I didn't think there was a chance in hell he would get drafted last year. Uh, I loved once he said he was going to the ignite. I thought it was going to be great for him and that he proved that he was able to take a massive step back and roll uh, because before this year, he was this pseudo point guard and doing just whatever the fuck he wanted on ball. It turned into some fun highlights, but it turned into a lot of really unproductive and inefficient basketball as well. This year he played like a, legit power forward small ball center role and didn't really have any creation responsibilities um and just muck things up around the rim and was a play finisher and a rebounder and was just really focused on improving defensively and he did all of that by leaps and bounds i just think there's a lot more that it needs to go and i'm not quite sure how close he is to really achieving that or if this last year and that huge leap that he had was almost it for him and if so that that's still a really good role player good energy guy um 
I just I can't get to the lottery stuff with him. I think there are still so many holes in his game uh, that need a lot of work, and they're not just like masking over a couple things here and there. It's completely reworking the shot. It's really honing in again on the defensive rotation stuff. Um, and I, I think it's going to be fascinating whatever team takes him if they try to pivot him more towards a wing or a kind of big role. Um, if they try and use him more as like that true forward small ball center, I like that outcome a lot more for him rather than if they try to use him as a rangy for, you know, switchable three type guy. I, don't, I just don't think he moves like that. It's this is one of my favorite prospects because of this reason. You can be out on Leonard Miller and try to talk yourself into it. Yeah. And at some point be like, it makes sense. Like this makes sense why I would buy into it. Me and Metcalf could sit here and talk about everything that he potentially could like project to do yeah. awesome at the next level. And I still will be like, I, I don't think I'm, you know, there as a lottery guy. I, it's just, if I got him at like 20, I'd be probably pretty pumped if that was my like, Hey, I, I'm in, I'm buying into the Leonard Miller experience. I'm it's, it's, it's drawn plenty of really, intense conversations with the no ceilings group chat. And mm -hmm. I know everyone doesn't love to hear it, but it's, it's, it's fantastic when we have some of those, because you really like everyone pushes some buttons and we're trying to like almost open our minds to everyone's thinking. Cause I'm like, what am I seeing wrong? What are you guys seeing? If you're loving him, why are you seeing it that way? And then I'm like, well, Metcalf always comes out of nowhere and he's like, but what about this? And I'm like, <laughs> Oh gosh, here we go. The time bomb. And every time I do one of those, I'm like, I, yeah, I see it. And then I look at my board and I'm like, I don't know if I'm moving them up though. Like I was just like, <laughs> I've seen it as the same boat as you, as I'm like, I wish they would play him as kind of that Kevon Looney, just clean up stuff around the basket. Corey's told us we're crazy. I don't care. And I'm fine with that. Cause I'm just saying like, I think he has fantastic hands around the basket. Like he has that great ability to keep his hands up. And yeah, I thought his verticality was really good this year. It's really good. I mean, we see by the numbers. He averaged almost 17 and 10 with uh, 53, 4, 53, 30, 79, according to the NBA G League site. Please don't come after me. Go complain to them. <laughs> and um, had an effective field goal percentage of 56.5. Really good numbers. Yeah. Very, very good numbers. I just want him around the basket and the problem yeah. is Corey had a good point he was like is he too thin framed and then me and you were like yeah, do we put some weight on him and then, yeah. it, and then Corey's like no because that's gonna and I was like that's where you're at where I'm like already we're trying to figure out the fit and it just goes back in a circle but unbelievable year remarkable stride and improvement yeah and I, the reason I wanted to bring him up again in this episode is because I think there's such a high ceiling. Mm -hmm. There is a, a path in which we look back in two years and be like, Leonard Miller is a weapon for someone. Like he is a really good asset to have. And um, we'll see. There's also the other side of the fence, but that conversation happens with every prospect. Okay. Uh, next name we have is 
Nick Smith Jr., a guy who I've had anywhere from five to about almost 40 on my board this year. Um, I have run the complete gambit of emotions with him. I Some of the lottery stuff that he's getting now, I can't get behind. Uh, some of the people that are dropping him out of the first round, which I at one point did, um, I also can't get behind. I, he's just one of the biggest headaches for me. Where are you at with him? I, my thing is I this is where the the time of the year where the buzz and everyone's hearing things and it starts to get interesting and you start to notice some trends. And now we're seeing Nick Smith's creeping up a little bit on some boards. Which then drives me crazy because I'm like, all right, let's get the phone out. Let's start talking to some people. And I have vibes he's going to go top 20 still. I think people are going to buy into pre-college film. Happens all the time. Like, I talk to scouts all the time that literally say, like, you know, you can't judge everything off of one year. Um and Nick Smith had all the buzz in the world. I mean, we're talking about a preseason top five pick. The problem is Zaire Williams and Jaden McDaniels are two players. I hated their film. <laughs> I hated their film. And I was just like, I like the tools. I like the idea. I really think these guys have potential to be something special. But watching their film in college, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I've never enjoyed anything less. And then I watched Jaden McDaniels and what did you say? Kai, no, Kai <laughs> Jones was electric. You kidding me? Um, and like Jaden, I'd watch defensive stuff just to balance me out because I'd be like, I think there's defensive potential here. Well, looks like I was right there, but offensively it was just all over the place. Nick Smith Jr.'s film this year is at that same dinner table with those two because it's frustration because I'm constantly really excited about him wanting to do something else on the court where I'm like, okay, can I get another level? Like now one more thing, like show me something else, show me something else. And I never feel like I'm full. Like I'm always feel like it's, it's one of those water glasses where the water just keeps falling out. Like there's a hole in the glass. And every time I pick it off the table, it's just draining because I watched game. Or who was it against? Was it against Oklahoma when it was, who was it against? He looked great one game I watched. Yeah, and he had um, a couple down the stretch of the regular season where he looked awesome. Um, so my, my big thing is that everyone keeps going, saying, go back to the high school stuff, go back to the high school stuff. And I get that, but every time I go back to the high school stuff, it doesn't look all that different. Um, and what is so frustrating for me is that with so many times with guys of that pedigree, with those expectations, a lot of the frustrations are effort stuff. And, you know, it's like, oh, he's just going through the motions. He doesn't, he doesn't really care. Um, And that's not what I get with Nick Smith at all. Like he, I think his work rate is really high. He feels like a guy who wants to be a good defender. He just has no idea what he's doing on that end. So I, I I don't know how that that's a new kind of conundrum for me to kind of face because it's like I, I rarely have that issue where a top guy is working that hard and producing as inefficiently 
as he was. And I'm sure people will come at me with other examples, but off the top of my head. I was thinking of um, the Kentucky and Auburn games. I'm sorry. And he had a two-game stretch where he had 19.5 points per game with shooting splits of 45-38. And I was like, I feel like at that point of the year, I was like, is this happening? Is this it? Like, are we getting a little eight-game heater? I go everyone that is going to act like we were saying, like we know everything, but me and you had this episode at the beginning of the year. I talked and I was like, he's frustrating to me. Cause I don't yeah. know if I see the floor general. And then I watched right. him at the night hoop summit and he made a pass. And I was like, my goodness, I don't see that pass much. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm in. And I was like, I have him lower, but I guess I'm in. And it's my gut instinct. I didn't go with, that is coming back now. And I'm like, okay, I'm out, but I still have him in the first. And every time I look at him, I'm like, do I need to go back and reevaluate? But like, I, I just think this isn't the floor general. You're handing the ball to, to run the offense. I think he's playing off the ball with a combo guard and probably sharing a backcourt. And who knows, maybe Nick Smith turns into, uh, this Jordan Clarkson, you know, spark plug that really can get lethal from outside and, and sort of that's his path early on in which he develops the rest of his game. Like, you know, everyone looks good in workout videos. I, I, I don't know Metcalf because I still think there is a, a world in which he makes a lot of us look silly. I mm-hmm. still think he could go out and probably not be so stressed with all those expectations, Arkansas just kept waiting for him to come back. He was always battling injuries. And, and, and to his credit, he kept coming back. Yes. And a lot of guys would have shut down. Yeah. And, and you could argue that if he shut down early, he might have gone top 10. Yeah. Like, that's the annoying part of this process is he might have gone it without scouts seeing all these questions and being like, eh, I don't know. Like, but he kept back. And, and you got to give him credit for that. And there's a lot of wiggle and like some exciting stuff that how healthy was he that's what we got to yeah. ask how healthy was he was it the system was it a perfect storm of just disaster and if you agree with that then maybe nick smith is going top 20 and if some teams thinks that maybe they're saying hey we we get him in the top 15 we're gonna be pumped he's the he is the wild card he's literally the definition of a wild card for this draft yeah, and the last name on our list is very similar in that regard with Gigi Jackson, um, who, you know, everyone knows reclassified, super young for this class, uh, should be going into his college freshman season. Um, things just continue to seem seemingly continue not to go right for him. And I mean, Wasserman had um, was a Q&A or live mock draft that he did today. And I believe you texted the group saying that he didn't have Gigi in the first round. No Gigi in the first round there. Um, Gavoni has a, had a mock. I think he had him in the second round. Um, Gavoni promoted his updated rankings today and um, had him in the thirties, like in, you know, was his big board rankings. And everyone's like, well, what are those guys? Those guys are plucked. You know, we're, we're at no ceilings. We we have our connections. We have our guys. That's growing every year. But 
you know, respect to the big, big dogs. Like they have been grinding and, and doing this and building their network much longer than us. So what I've always said is like, that's breadcrumbs. When you see jumps and rankings, that's breadcrumbs left around. And people will be like, that doesn't tell, it tells a lot. It, it is a silent truth that tells a lot. And if you start connecting the dots, like we're obviously we're rooting for Gigi. I think he still has some of the yeah. top talent in this whole class because when he's cooking offensively, I'm like, he, he moves in a way, not a lot of prospects do. And um, I just think this is probably getting some territory in which some stuff's coming up and you don't have to agree with it, but it yeah. is executives and front office decision makers that are probably talking about it and that's the buzz and this happens this happens with a lot of guys where maybe if you inter- and i'm not reporting anything but maybe mm-hmm. if you interview bad or something goes bad or th- that gets around like a wildfire um if he's on the board in the late 20s i don't think a team's passing up on cheese i know um unless it's just terrible but that's too much talent i've seen guys fall that have upside that teams at some point are like no we'll take it from here like that's our type of guy um so i don't know metcalf sorry i went on a little rant there no it's it's good um and he just he has all of the tools that you want from your what six eight power forward i mean just great on ball shot creation. I think he's going to shoot at a really high clip. I think most of the percentage issues were um, shot selection stuff. Uh, again, kind of similar to Cam Whitmore. It's all of it in a vacuum in his own individual little silo. It looks good on highlight tape. It looks good in one-on-ones. It looks good in empty gyms. When you get into that team concept, that's where it gets really tricky. And one of the big concerns with him coming out of the regular regular season was the immaturity issues with what he posts on Instagram and some of the body language stuff on court and all of that kind of stuff. All of the leaks and reporting out of these individual workouts and all of that kind of stuff is that he's not doing himself any favors in interviews and that his workouts are a fraction of the speed of everyone else's and that he looks out of shape. It just feels like he kind of keeps shooting himself in his own foot. Whereas if he would have just came in in shape, busted disaster in these workouts and who knows, I'm sure there are plenty that he's doing great in, but those reports aren't the ones that are coming out. Um, I think I was he was probably sick. because of those uh, yeah, teams uh, yeah. want to take him. So they're not yeah, going to be like, right. Hey, Gigi rocks for us. Teams ahead of us should look at him." So I get that. But if you would have just nailed all of this stuff, it would have quelled a lot of the concerns that people had about him coming into this kind of period. And I, I think he was sick. I don't, I'm not trying yeah. to, you know, like I think he was sick, but here's the unfortunate reality of the draft process you could be sick but you're trying to leave an impression on you know it is a job interview before you even get interviewed yeah and you're trying to leave an impression that basically makes all these teams and scouts be like i need to talk to him i need to go watch him we need to bring him in and if you fail at that first one and i'm not saying he did but if you if you don't leave a good impression that buzz can push you the opposite way. Now, I think a smart organization 
would probably run with that buzz and say, we might have a shot at Gigi Jackson now yeah, and bring him in. And maybe he was sick and then comes in and has a awesome workout. And some teams just like, no one say jack crap about how Gigi just played and we're going to steal. Or him. you can just say that he looked awful. Yeah. There you go. I mean, now it's, it's, it's a poker game Yeah, because you're trying to, bring guys in and obviously there's leaks of like, Oh, here's our workouts or people are reporting it, but there's always secret workouts. There's yeah. always these, you know, Oh, you went to go work out. They try to get him to work out. You know, um, I'm trying to forget one year someone like literally worked out like the night before the draft. And I was like, what? Like, it was just like, it, it, it happens. And um, I think Gigi has all the tools. We've said it. We've praised him. We we've said this all the time. He's a lot of questions. He has so much talent. And we're not just saying this off of, you know, what we read on mm-hmm. the line. I've heard this from people. People be like, yeah, I, I can't stand Gigi's shot selection. And when they're in, that emphatic with saying to me, like, you cannot stand it. I'm like, oh boy. Okay. That's pretty aggressive. And then we've heard other people be like, it's the worst. And it's like, we have to remember the upside, the age, a lot of stuff's weighing into this, but um, the positives is he's got all that working for him of being a young kid. There's going to be some executive that sees the talent and someone's at one point going to be like, we can bring Gigi in here and get him to, to click. We are going to look very smart in a couple of years if everything falls into place. So, yeah, and, and we we obviously want all of these guys to hit the, the ceilings that we've been talking about. They're incredibly talented, and if they do, that's better for them. That's better for us. We yes. all get better basketball out of that. That's what we're rooting for. Um, just real quick, Rucker, anyone in the second round names where you know most kind of consensus rankings have them in the second round, but if a lot of things go right could really hit that really outlandish ceiling that they could have um projected in the second round i mean andre jackson is probably in that conversation noah Clowney's probably one i'm struggling with um where do you have him uh 36 okay i got him like early 40s um i get it i get the idea I get the intrigue. He's one of those boomer bust guys to me. And I don't think it's going to be right away. I think we're going to have to look down the road in three years and be like, no, Clowney's really turning into something solid. Um, who else? Do you have someone off the top of your head? Um, Brandon Podzemski. And he's is- just, I know this is very, 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 very lofty and like best case, absolute best case scenario. I just get some Jalen Brunson vibes when I watch him play, just the physicality, the the mid-range kind of floater scoring touch stuff. Um, I I talked to a front off exec about him, and, and he's just like, so many people are on the fence. Yeah. Like, so many people are confused. They don't know what to do. And I, I that's the first time I've heard someone just be, like, confused. Like, everyone's like, some people like him, some people are out. And I was like, oh boy. And and it was after the combine, which I was like, I thought he looked great. And it, I don't know. But it was that second game. I think people were like, I don't know now. And it's like, oh, that's where your agent was like, man, why don't you listen to me? But (laughs) 
Um, I had heard J Dub, I think, called him was like play, and I was like, oh gosh. But um, I and I, I think Julian Phillips is a guy who could have OG Ananobi type future. Um, yes, OG Julian Phillips is a great one. Um, I'm right there with you with that. Um, Bobby Clintman, yeah. And I've heard some rumblings about a first round promise. So that's one to watch out for. Um, I th- Oh, the Julian Phillips one is really good. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, Jordan Walsh, maybe. Yeah. And I'm, and, I'm lower on Walsh. I am but... too, but I feel like he could become this really, really special defensive asset. I don't know. Amari Bailey, some people will say, but I don't know if I'm there saying that he's got that super high ceiling. Yeah. Where's my ceiling guy? I had one before Metcalf and then you, Um, I'll say TJD. I still think he's got a, a, an NBA ceiling that's higher than where he was in college. I think he could be a very impactful presence. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) All right, Rucker. Um, this is a blast as always. Uh, plug away. Um, I love you all. Go get the No Ceilings Draft Guide. The support has been incredible. It's been awesome. It's worth it. It's going to get bigger each year. Um, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker. Shoot me a message. Let's talk some draft. And um, I have no basketball to watch now. I know the finals are on, but I, I, I'm, I'm all in for No Ceilings. I'm, this is what I do. I just turn into, you know, Hannibal Lecter and focus on draft and have some fun graphics coming out soon. So thank you guys as always. We love you guys. We're excited about the growth. And Metcalf, one more year for Bona and Trey, baby. We just <laughs> wait one more year. Uh, people are going to be so pumped about another year of my propaganda for them. Uh, hey, but I mean to tell you one thing before I get off, we're going to make a bonus shirt. We're going to figure out a way it's going to be glorious. And then I'm going to be wearing it on the pot all the time next year. So there you go. All right. Well, once again, I'm Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at team Metcalf one, one, uh, DMS are always open. If you ever want to talk hoops, um, merchandise we we got a whole bunch of new merchandise along with the draft guide that all dropped at no ceilings nba.bigcartel.com you can also find all of our written work that is 100 free at no ceilings nba.com and you can follow us across all socials at no ceilings nba if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe leave a review and if i start writing until next time see ya